Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, once again we gather to worship, once again we gather um, to learn more about this armor of God that you clothe us with from on high. And I pray this evening, God, that our faith would be strengthened, that our faith in you would be clarified, and Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit to take on any challenge, any suffering, any joy that awaits us in this life. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So we're talking about faith tonight, the shield of faith. And so I ask, what is faith? What is it? Faith is a word that Christians tend to use a lot, I think, and it's not just a word that Christians use. A lot of people use the word faith, right? But we don't always stop and think about what it means or explain what we're talking about when we use the word faith. Faith has big implications for the Christian and in the spiritual world, but it goes beyond that, too. We exercise faith on a daily basis in many different ways. So a simple self-examination of your life, of yourself, of your day even today, would show that you have put your faith in dozens, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of different things, perhaps even without realizing that you did. So the most simple chair, uh, example that I could come up with uh, takes me back to philosophy 101, the chair. How many of you have exercised faith in a chair today? Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, now I'm a big guy. I've been a big guy for a while. And uh, I've had a few run-ins with chairs that have really shaken my faith in the ability of a chair to hold me up. And uh, maybe a little dry-rotted patio furniture here, or you know those plastic patio chairs that hotels have? They freeze one winter, the next winter you sit on them, they crumple under you. Maybe that's not your experience, but it has been mine before. Now, most of you walked in here tonight, and you found a place to sit. I noticed that some of you aren't sitting in your usual place, so round of applause. But you came in, and you found a seat, and you sat down, and you probably did so without thinking about whether this pew was going to hold you up or not. Now, you came to this trust in one of two ways. Either, first of all, you've sat in a lot of pews, you've probably sat in these pews, you've sat in a lot of chairs, and so you have gradually over time come to faith that what you're going to sit in is going to hold you up and be sturdy, right? So maybe you don't even think about it. Maybe it's a habit. It's a rhythm in your life. Or you came in, if you're a little suspect of chairs like I am, maybe you came in and you sized up the solid wood construction and you knocked on it a couple times. You looked underneath. You noticed that it was bolted into the ground so it wasn't going to tip on you. And after you deemed this pew worthy of your sitting in it, you had a seat, and everything went well. That is a more active way to come to faith in your chair, in your seat. Both of these arrivals at your faith in the chair are similar to how we can come to have faith in God and his promises and our life in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we come at it gradually over time, gradually building up trust, and there's hopefully areas in your lives where you trust in the Lord that you don't even have to think about and consciously choose to do that on a daily basis. But there's other times in your lives and situations arise in life where it's not so easy to have faith. It's not so easy to trust in the Lord. So maybe 
That's a process of you discerning and choosing to exercise and act in your faith in Jesus Christ. So what is faith then? The, the Bible gives us a good definition in our Hebrews text tonight. It kicks off with one of the most memorable and quotable verses in the New Testament. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for but haven't yet realized. And it's the assurance about what we do not see, that we say God exists, we have faith that God exists, we've had experiences that point to that faith and confirm that faith, but we can't point to God here or there and say God exists. It's a different sort of understanding and trust that we build up. And it's often about what is not visible, but it's most often, I find in my life, about what hasn't yet happened, right? Our faith comes in greatly when we talk about God's promises in the future, or dreams or visions that we have for our future that haven't yet come to pass, we have faith that God is good on those promises, that God will come through. So the author of Hebrews goes on to show this by walking through a handful of the Old Testament's Israel's heroes, right? And there's more in there than what we read in our text today. But the author argues that it was their faith in God's promises not the seeing of them completed. It was their faith in God's future promises that, that causes us to view them as heroes, as righteous in God's eyes. It is Abraham's faith to follow God and to do some incredible things that God asked him to do, even though he's never going to see the descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky. It's a promise he didn't get to see, but he trusted that God would make it so. And it's the faith of Moses that causes him to lead the Hebrews out of slavery in Egypt and towards the promised land, even when he himself is never going to get to set foot in the promised land himself. There's some faith for you. To be an instrument for deliverance, but not get to experience that yourself. And it's by faith that Jericho's walls fall down. I think we can agree today that marching around a wall and blowing on a horn isn't a great military strategy. Yet, God instructed them to do it. They had faith, they did it, and God showed up, and the walls of Jericho fell down. The examples go on and on here. I think we can summarize faith in this. Faith in biblical and Christian terms, it's about our trust in who God is, first of all. Second of all, what God has promised, so those things that we haven't realized yet. And it's our living accordingly to those first two things, even if we do not see the end or know God's means to make it so. Let me say that again. Faith in biblical and Christian terms is our trust in God, in who God is, what God has promised, and our living accordingly, even if we do not see the end or know God's means to make it so. Because we don't comprehend how big God is. We can't comprehend how big God is. And we don't always see God working, do we? But faith reminds us and it convicts us that we don't need to know how big God is and we don't need to see how God is working in every single circumstance, do we? We don't need to know and see to know that God is good. And he is. God is faithful. 
And God's faithfulness is a truth that stands on its own. We talked about truth a couple weeks ago. God's faithfulness is one of those truths that stands apart from how we feel about God's faithfulness. It is part of our firm foundation. So let's talk about this shield of faith then. As we've gone through the armor of God here, two weeks ago, we talked about the helmet of truth. We talked about how truth um, is not really as relative as the world likes to think that it is, right? We dug into that quite a bit in our confirmation lessons that night and epic lessons. Truth is something that's not relative. It comes from God and Jesus himself. Knowing Jesus is our best way to know the truth and to discern what is true or not true in the world around us. And then last week, Allison talked about the breastplate of righteousness, how the righteousness of Christ guards our most important spiritual organ, our hearts, and allows us to be protected from the enemy in battle. And so today we have another defensive piece of this armor. We dig into this shield of faith. So let's talk a little bit about this shield. Paul writes in Ephesians, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which will, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Sounds like a pretty good shield to me. So for the Roman soldier, I have a couple pictures up for you. For the Roman soldier in Paul's era, the shield would have been sturdy, large, and able to protect most of the body. As you can see there, it's four, five, maybe a little over five feet tall. And the shield had a similar use as the breastplate. It was for protection against blows, right? But it was more versatile because you could move it. You could combine shields to create something to protect many people instead of just one. It was sturdier, heavier, it was thicker. And the shield was made to withstand heavy blows from a sword or a spear, but as Paul also says, it was made to withstand the direct impact from flaming arrows. That's pretty cool. A common battle tactic then was to light the arrows on fire and then shoot them and try to burn things, right? Unfortunately, our war tactics are very similar today. So they would often dip these arrows and light them before firing. And the shield would stop the arrow. It would lodge in the shield, and it would extinguish the flame. And if it didn't extinguish right away, it would at least protect that soldier or whatever the soldier was protecting. And it would allow that flame to get put out. Another use of the shield was that it could be used to push back or drive back the enemy as well. Not so much as an offensive weapon, but as a sort of stand-your-ground sort of maneuver. And you've likely seen portrayed in movies when soldiers are lined up and using their shields, there's this combined force of a battalion behind them. They're able to push and drive the enemy back, much like you would see in that picture there. Now that picture's defensive, so that no arrows can come and hit them, right? Or anything else. But imagine if they stood those shields up and they all together moved forward. They would be a force to be reckoned with. And so they could actually drive back the enemy as well. And so the, the shield of faith that Paul's writing about, this is, I think, what he would picture. And it's what I picture. It provides versatile protection from the enemy. Whichever way this spiritual attack is coming from, you could turn and block it. If that's coming from your neighbors, or the sin in your life, or life circumstances, wherever that doubt or that enemy attack is coming from, whether it's from current events or politics, we can turn and we can face it head on in faith. And this shield can be used to drive back attacks on us by the enemy. 
So when the enemy comes upon us, we can stand our ground. We have an incredible means to do that with the shield of faith. And this works even better in numbers. We shouldn't be standing alone in our faith. We should be standing together as the body of Christ in our faith. And so this shield of faith can benefit your neighbor just as much as it can benefit you. And imagine the benefit if you both use your shield of faith together, or even in a whole church body. And this shield can extinguish flaming arrows of the enemy. The arrows that attack our beliefs. The arrows that attack our faith, sowing doubt into our beliefs. Or, or maybe it's the arrows of well-meaning friends who think they're doing good, but they're hurting you. Or maybe it's people trying to undermine Christianity or the faith. When we are protected with this shield, when we pick up and use this faith that God has given us, we find protection in Christ Jesus. So it's a pretty good tool to have, isn't it? I love these images of the armor of God. It makes it concrete for me, right? I'm a visual thinker, and I, I know not everybody is wired that way, but I'm a visual thinker, and I can, I can visually see that helmet of truth being placed on my head and on yours, and how that can change our lives and our perspective. I can visually see myself picking up this shield and knowing that being from God, this is an impressive shield of faith that God has given each and every one of us. Psalm 91, 1 and 2 says this, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The shield of faith allows us to do just that. It allows us to find peace and rest in the shelter of the Most High. Because God is our refuge and fortress, God equips us with the shield of faith for protection. So, friends, we find an incredible amount that we're going to keep digging into for the rest of Lent here. We find an incredible amount of protection and confidence when we exercise our faith in Jesus Christ. And I use that phrase, exercise our faith on purpose. What do I mean by that? I find, and maybe you have too, that often living from an attitude or stance of faith is something we need to consciously work on and choose to do in our lives. Not that we choose our salvation, I don't think that's biblical, but choosing to live in the reality of our salvation and in the reality of God's promises when trials and tribulations come at us. Make no mistake, it is easy for you to leave that shield home and not take it with you. Very easy. It's easy to face the world apart from faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe some of us have compartmentalized our lives in a way that that's our reality right now. And, and I think it's easy to forget we even have that shield when the enemy comes calling, right? It's easy to respond with hate instead of peace. It's easy to respond to the world and current events going on right now. It's easy to respond with despair rather than hope. And it's easy to respond with apathy when Jesus asks something of us. But that's not the life Jesus has for us. He wants us to exercise our faith, to pick up this shield, to live accordingly to who God is and his promises. So here's my challenge for you. 
Let us, therefore, exercise our faith in Jesus Christ. Let's exercise it in the small things, trusting God to provide and to come through on the little things in our lives. And let's exercise our faith in Jesus in the large things that we know are insurmountable by our own efforts and our own realities. God is far bigger than we are. And this is important, if we find our faith to be lacking, because if we're honest, that's a lot of us on any given day, right? If we find our faith to be lacking, let us humbly pray that God will grow and intensify and nourish that faith. That he will give us a better ability to use this incredible shield and to rely on him for all that we are in need of. So friends, let us choose God's reality for us, not the one that the world would choose for us, not even the one we might choose for ourselves. Let's choose God's reality from us. This incredible armor is a gift from God, and it comes from on high. There's not a, a forge, a smith in this world that can make this armor for you, but God gives freely of it to those in Jesus Christ. So let's clothe ourselves with this armor so that we may face this broken world with faith, with trust in the Lord and with confidence and the assurance, the full assurance that God continues to work, seen and unseen, that God continues to fulfill his promises. Let's pray. Lord, in um, your incredible goodness and mercy, you provide this armor for us if we are part of the body of Christ, Lord, we know we have access to this. Many times, God, we think of faith as a gift that needs to be opened, and Lord, I think this armor might be like that. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to use it and use it well. That you would ground us in your truth and protect our minds. You would guard us with your righteousness. And Lord, would you please, please increase our faith, strengthen our faith, help us to exercise our faith in you. Lord, we want to be a people that is firmly rooted in you. And we want to be a church that can face the world in a way that is loving according to Christ, that is true according to Christ, and in a way that advances the kingdom of God. That is the power of the gospel. So Lord, may we take up our armor and put it on, and may we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.